It's November 9th. It's the day after the U.S. presidential election of 2016. Every meeting, every unplanned encounter I've had today with friends, colleagues, strangers, every one of them has begun with recognizing the shared sense of despair that we're all feeling. I suspect many of you are feeling it as well. My name is Mark Coffin, and I'm one of the hosts of the Offscript podcast. Today, we were planning on releasing the first full episode of this podcast, a podcast based on conversations we've had with former MLAs about their life in politics in Nova Scotia. We're not going to do that anymore, at least not today. We looked through the transcripts from the MLA exit interviews, and uh, we're searching for some message or story that made sense to share on today, this day after last night's election. There were some, but none that connected close enough with uh, what it is that we all seem to be feeling today. Our minds are somewhere else. Our hearts are somewhere else today. And we suspect yours are too. We'll pick up where we left off this time next week. Uh, But this week, uh, we'll share something that doesn't fit neatly within the rest of our podcast. It doesn't include any speakers you'll hear from again, uh, nor does it follow the format you'll soon become used to hearing from us. I had an interview with CTV News this morning about the U.S. election results, and I was asked, will this shake our belief in democracy? An American writer and teacher by the name of Parker J. Palmer has an expression that democracy isn't just something we have, it's something we do. It's less about how we relate to our governments or our country, and more about how we relate to one another. Without a doubt, this election will shake our belief in democracy, our belief in basic assumptions about the people around us, and certainly for Americans, but likely the rest of us too. Parker Palmer wrote a book entitled Healing the Heart of Democracy, The Courage to Create a Politics Worthy of the Human Spirit. Here is Parker Palmer unpacking what motivated him to write that book, which seems even more relevant today than it was in the post-9-11 America that he wrote it for five years ago. It's from a series of video clips you can see on the Center for Courage and Renewal's website, an organization that Parker Palmer helped found. The epigraph for this book is a quote from Terry Tempest Williams, The Human Heart is the First Home of Democracy. It's a very meaningful quote for me because it takes something that we usually think of as big, vast, outside of us, way beyond our control, and suddenly brings it home um, to a place where we can have something to do with how democracy happens, with the quality of our common life. Terry Tempest Williams goes on to say that it's not that the heart has um, a yearning for democracy. We we know that the heart um, yearns for many things, and Sometimes it gives rise to something like the Third Reich out of the shadow side of the heart, and sometimes it gives rise to something noble and generous um, uh, and upbuilding of community. But Williams says that the human heart is the place where we wrestle with the core questions of democracy. Can we be generous? Can we be just? Um, Can we care about our neighbor as much as we care about ourselves? And so when I saw that quote, I thought, there's a piece of this big puzzle that I can hold in my own hands and work with. And in fact, uh, if I'm a teacher, I can work with the heart of my students. If I'm 
pastor, I can work with the heart of my parishioners. If I'm a parent, I can work with the heart of my children. If, I'm, if I live in a neighborhood, I can work with my neighbor's heart. So we all live someplace where both our own hearts and other people's hearts are, are something we have access to. And the Terry Tempest Williams quote reminds me that democracy isn't just something that happens out there in distant places in the halls of government, but it begins in here, and we can work with that in more creative ways. The title of the prelude, The Politics of the Brokenhearted, is, a, is an important phrase for me. Um, we hear a lot of talk these days in this badly divided country of ours about the politics of rage. And certainly rage is what we see on the surface. But I think beneath the surface there is an enormous amount of brokenheartedness in American life. Uh, the broken heart that comes from realizing that some of our most cherished values and visions are not being achieved, um, that we're kind of lost and um, have turned against each other as if you were the enemy or I were the enemy. Um, that's not just a sociological observation for me. This book really came out of my own brokenheartedness um, in the, uh, somewhere in the middle of the last decade, somewhere between 2000 and 2011, I started to become deeply disheartened and discouraged about the apparent willingness of Americans to give up on core values of our democracy and um, needed to go deep within myself to find, to find out where that brokenheartedness was coming from and what I might do to, to use that energy creatively rather than turn towards rage or disengagement or some other uh, way of taking myself out of the action. And so in many ways, the, writing the book was uh, a kind of therapeutic act for me, but I don't think I would have written it if I hadn't felt that many other Americans are in the same boat. Um, in writing The Prelude, I became fascinated with the story of Abraham Lincoln, who himself was a broken-hearted man, but who, who learned how to let his heart break open rather than apart, who learned how to let his brokenheartedness uh, give him more capacity to hold a nation at war together, um, to affirm the value of all people in that conflict, and to become a healer rather than a divider. Um, that was the sense and the spirit that I wanted the book to convey. And so the prelude starts at that very personal point uh, and takes great uh, encouragement from the example of Abraham Lincoln. That's Parker Palmer, author of Healing the Heart of Democracy, The Courage to Create a Politics Worthy of the Human Spirit.
You can see his full talks about the book online at the Center for Courage and Renewal's website, couragerenewal.org democracy, where you can also order the book. Another thing you might consider doing is making a donation to the Center for Courage and Renewal. The Center for Courage and Renewal is an American charity with the mission of creating a more just, compassionate, healthy world by nurturing personal and professional integrity and the courage to act on it, something I'm sure we can all get behind. I'll leave you with one more piece of wisdom from Parker Palmer. This is from a commencement address that he gave to the graduating class at Naropa University. Naropa is a Buddhist college in Colorado, and you needed to know that in order to get some of the jokes in this talk. Here's Parker. as much as knowledge and failure as much as success. I know this is ironic advice on graduation day, but clinging to what you already know and do well is the path to an unlived life. So, cultivate beginner's mind, walk straight into your not knowing, and take the risk of failing and falling again and again, then getting up again and again to learn. That's the path to a life lived large in service of love, truth, and justice. Second, as you integrate ignorance and failure into your knowledge and success, do the same with all the alien parts of yourself. Take everything that's bright and beautiful in you and introduce it to the shadow side of yourself. Let your altruism meet your egotism. Let your generosity meet your greed. Let your joy meet your grief. Everyone has a shadow, even Buddhists, even Quakers, even high-minded people like us, especially high-minded people like us. But when you are able to say, I am all of the above, my shadow as well as my light, the shadow's power is put in service of the good. Wholeness is the goal, but wholeness does not mean perfection. It means embracing brokenness as an integral part of your life. As a person who, as Jerry said, has made three deep dives into depression along the way, I do not speak lightly of this. I simply know that it is true. As you acknowledge and embrace all that you are, you give yourself a gift that will benefit the rest of us as well. Our world is in desperate need of leaders who live what Socrates called an examined life. In critical areas like politics, religion, business, and the mass media, too many leaders refuse to name and claim their shadows because they don't want to look weak. With shadows that go unexamined and unchecked, they use power heedlessly in ways that harm countless people and undermine public trust in our major institutions. If you value self-knowledge, you will become the leaders we need to help renew this society. But if, for some reason, and I doubt that there's anyone like this here, if for some reason you choose to live an unexamined life after you live, leave this place, I beg of you, do not take a job that involves other people. <laughs> Third, 
third, and critically important, as you welcome whatever you find alien within yourself, extend that same welcome to whatever you find alien in the outer world. I don't know any virtue more important these days than hospitality to the stranger, to those we perceive as other than us. The old majority in this society, people who look like me, is on its way out. By 20, yes. By 2045, the majority of Americans will be people of color. The sad fact is that many in the old majority fear that fact, and their fear, their fear, shamelessly manipulated by too many politicians, is bringing us down. The renewal this nation needs will not come from people who are afraid of otherness in race, ethnicity, religion, or sexual orientation. It's because of that fear that our once vital society is gridlocked and stagnant and our main hope for renewal is diversity welcomed and embraced. I recently met a professor on a visit to Southern California who had left a prestigious institution, predominantly white, to teach undocumented youth in Southern California. I asked him how it was going and he said, best move I ever made. My previous students felt entitled and demanded to be entertained. My undocumented students are hungry to learn, hardworking, and courageous enough to keep moving out of their comfort zones. America will be renewed by people with these qualities. Since suffering, I don't need to tell this to Buddhists, I just didn't know you could have so much fun, that's all, I didn't know. Since suffering as well as joy comes with being human, I urge you to remember this. Violence is what happens when we don't know what else to do with our suffering. Violence is what happens when we don't know what else to do with our suffering. Sometimes we aim that violence at ourselves as in overwork that leads to burnout or worse, or in the many forms of substance abuse. Sometimes we aim that violence at other people. Racism, sexism, and homophobia often come from people trying to relieve their suffering by claiming superiority over others. The good news is that suffering can be transformed into something that brings life, not death. It happens every day. I'm 76 years old. I now know many people who've suffered the loss of the dearest person in their lives. At first, they go into deep grief, certain that their lives will never again be worth living. But then they slowly awaken to the fact that not in spite of their loss, but because of it, they've become bigger, more compassionate people with more capacity of heart 
to take in other people's sorrows and joys. These are broken-hearted people, but their hearts have been broken open rather than broken apart. So every day, exercise your heart by taking in life's little pains and joys. That kind of exercise will make your heart supple the way a runner makes a muscle supple, so that when it breaks, and it surely will, it will break not into a fragment grenade, but into a greater capacity for love. That was Parker Palmer, author of Healing the Heart of Democracy, The Courage to Create a Politics Worthy of the Human Spirit. You can find more of Parker's work at his organization's website, couragerenewal.org. My name is Mark Coffin, and I am one of the hosts of the Offscript podcast. Uh, This is not our usual thing, but we wanted to take the time on this day after the 2016 U.S. presidential election and uh, come from where we have been for the past 18 hours and meet you where we suspect you are. Next week, we will be launching our first full episode of the Offscript podcast, uh, where we have conversations with former MLAs about their time in public life. Offscript is produced by Springtide. We are an organization dedicated to reconnecting Nova Scotians with the democratic process through education, research, and public engagement. One of the things we're working on related to the U.S. presidential election is a civic dialogue. It's going to happen in the second last week of November. Uh, It's really going to be all about what happens now and uh, how do we as Nova Scotians, Canadians, living in another country, but deeply affected by what just happened, uh, go forward. We're still ironing out some of the details about that particular event, uh, including where it's going to be and who's going to be speaking at it, but uh, to stay in the know and be one of the first to get those details, sign up for our mailing list at springtidecollective.ca to make sure uh, you're aware of that and other projects we're doing that's happening. Um, And follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash springtidecollective and on Twitter at springtideco. That's it. 